It's o- it's only a problem if I laugh too hard, which with you I don't think will be a problem. Oh so. no! <laughs> I like it better when yes, you're not please. sick. My God! Yeah. Old grumpy Michael comes. <laughs> oh out. no! Autobots, transform and roll out. Hey, welcome back to Two Mike's Two Furious Animated Transformers. This is the podcast where we are discussing Transformers Animated one episode at a time from two different points of view. My name is Mike Seibert. I have never seen Transformers Animated before this project. And joining me on this animated adventure, my my animated spirit guide, serial rewatcher, Michael Andrews. How are you doing, my friend? Hey, good, Mike. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I'm here. I'm alive. I'm breathing more or less. Uh, uh, Yeah, thanks to all the people that are listening to this on a little bit of a delayed production schedule because uh, I had a doozy of a of an illness and uh, I'm coming off of it. But uh, hopefully, hopefully just enough of like my sexy uh, baritone voice is left over from my cold that it comes through in this podcast. I, I was just gonna say it's like you, you you're giving the people what they want. It's like it's like ooh a little, <laughs> little husky Minnesotan for a little, little extra little extra texture Hello. for. <laughs> we'll keep you warm in the winter. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, um, trying to stay back on schedule, uh, today we are discussing uh, Transformers Animated Season 1, Episode 8, Nanosec, uh, which aired on January 26th of 2008, and it was written by Marty Eisenberg. And when a proper Marty Eisenberg episode, I'm so excited. Yeah. And I, um, I, I have, uh, I have some additional information that I learned, um, about this episode, uh, when, when we kind of get to the end after we kind of get through the discussion, because th- this episode to me felt familiar. But even as I, as I was watching the episode for the first time last night, something just kind of felt a little different, a little off, but I'll, um, I'll kind of unpack that when we, when we get on the other side, but I, I guess up top, Michael Andrews, what, what's your feeling about, about this episode? Cause some episodes you like more than others. Some are more have personal connection than others. Like, you know, we're, we're still reeling from the deep hurting, deep hurting, deep hurting, uh, that that yeah. that that was the thrill of the hunt. Um, I, I'm still not okay. Um, and I and right. I just recently saw that Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three too, and I'm like, no, deep hurting, deep hurting. <laughs> it's like even deeper. Yes. So it was. Uh, so it it was nice to to have you know something a little more breezy and and a little less. Uh, steeped in trauma, but but I apologize. I I I, I stomped all. I, I asked you a question and then stomped all over it. Um, um, tell me a little the solo. The Mike Seibert solo show. Exactly. Uh, no, I, I I absolutely agree. I think it's uh 
a nice little like um you know it's like it's like a sip of uh coffee after something strong you know it's it's a nice uh palate cleanser uh gets us reset from that really tough episode and uh i don't know i don't know if it's i know it's considered you know I've seen it described as one of the controversial quote unquote episodes of TFA because it's, you know, it's anything that seems like it has one of the the human villains in it doesn't necessarily feel like Transformers to a lot of folks. Mm -hmm. But I I really like this one. And actually, um, I know we'll get into Nanosec a little bit later, but the character of Nanosec, I almost picture Nanosec when I think of this show. Like, I think there's something sort of quintessential about him that makes me think of Transformers Animated. And and I kind of like that. Uh, I like his look. I like him as a character. Mm-hmm. That sort of, it sort of just feels very Transformers Animated to me. So maybe that's, uh, maybe that's a hallmark of this. Maybe the fact that it's, it's so quintessentially Transformers Animated, which means probably your G1 score is going to go down. Right. But, uh, yeah, I think it. I think as a Transformers animated episode, it stands uh, right as rain. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would. I would call this like a a typical, stereotypical, foundational, you know, soup to nuts, bread and butter TFA episode. You know, like what is TFA? It's this, and what what I've discovered in my journey of watching the show for the first time. Uh, doing this podcast and then also kind of like with our Twitter account, you know, interacting with the fandom, the thing that I, I didn't know while TFA Transformers animated is uh, well-regarded. There's also a component of the, of or a portion of the fandom that's not really uh, down with uh, the human characters and, and specifically like, like the human supervillains, which, I thought was kind of surprising. And and to me, I guess that's just kind of like an acid test of like, do you like TFA? Yes or no. You know, you know, that kind of thing. It's like, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't want to tell people how to live, but for, for me experiencing this the first time, I, I understand now eight episodes in that, that this is a component of it. It's like, you know, it's, it's hard to like the show and not like this aspect of the world and and this type of storytelling yeah i i agree it it does kind of come kind of part and parcel with it you need to sort of take that all in but like you said i mean people have their likes and dislikes i mean the human component of any transformers thing has always been sort of a controversial thing and i guess the supervillain part of it for some people probably is really jarring because that's something we really haven't seen in in transformers before i mean you could you get kind of close in the g1 series but um this is like full-on costume superpowers yeah like like literal ben 10 batman beyond characters like 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 we discussed a few episodes ago uh something that is kind of unique about this episode i guess right off the bat is that we we open differently than we have the previous episodes like we're not right away meeting the Autobots. Um, we're opening with uh, fireworks, which I think is always yeah. cool, and a robbery in progress. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're not right out the bat, you know, it's not Ratchet pressed up against the window. It's not Prowl and Optimus having a tender moment. It's a total stranger, uh, an evil Richie Cunningham, if you will, <laughs> uh, is taking a sack full of something from a facility. I love it. Uh, so it is kind of a unique intro for the show. Yeah. So with, with the uh, fireworks, I don't know if it's explicitly 
stated what the occasion is. Like, I, I don't know if it's if it's meant to evoke Fourth of July or if it's maybe some like, I don't know, uh, new Detroit anniversary or something, um, you know, like like the, the Gotham City 200th anniversary parade or something like that. Um, it, it's it's kind of vague fireworks, but you're right. It, it starts very differently. The only other episode I, I could think of, which is actually kind of like weirdly similar, is kind of the way that we meet the angry archer a handful of episodes ago because that's that's kind of the same thing where he he's a costumed character at that point where whereas uh uh Nino Sexton at this point is just just some dude uh small great name by the way great yeah 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 and and the the origin of the nanosec name i mean again we're we're doing batman style supervillains which which i think is really cool right you know it's like oh edward nigma and he likes doing riddles perhaps he, he he's somewhat of a riddle er if if you will you know that that kind of right, thing that's right. kind of neat well yeah mike i mean the episode's called nanosec this guy's named nino sexton did you even put it together being this was your first time watching it were you even able to somehow put those pieces together no no not not at all baffling baffling. yeah because like well i mean so we this episode has been um in our mouths in in conversation for um quite a while with production delays and and just the the way that we produce the show so it's like oh man well now we're going to get to nanosec nanosec this nanosec that so it's been very much top of mind but yeah it it kind of took until we got to that that pivotal moment of the show where I'm like, you know, I even, I even wrote in my notes, I'm like, that's the name of the episode. <laughs> and, um, um, yeah, yeah, not not necessarily uh, realizing that it was meant to be the name of the titular uh, villain there. Right. So we open with uh, the fireworks, the robbery. Uh, I wanted to point out a little cool continuity moment because we see some more of those police robo sentries, the Ed 209s, if you yes. will, the, that we met in total meltdown. So obviously that contract went through. Uh, it must still have been a thing. Um, yeah, yeah. Sorry and, about that incident you, with the captain's wife. The less right, said about somehow that, the better. Fan zone's wife. Uh, they still, the contract still went through. Um, so we have, I, I don't know, if you couldn't tell instantly, this guy is voiced by comedian Brian Posehn. Mm-hmm. Very recognizable voice to me. I don't know if that's true for everybody, but I implore you listeners out there. I'm really curious, actually, to go look at his IMDb page and just go through all the roles that Brian Posehn has either voiced or live acted. It's a lot of Cartoon Network stuff, a lot of Disney yeah. work, um, and just... Let me know your favorite. Let me know a voice. Let us know like what what he voiced that was your favorite because he probably did. Yeah, uh, surprisingly prolific. I I went on a little bit of that shallow yeah. deep dive um as well because like you know I I know him for you know uh guest spots here and there. You know he's usually brought in as some kind of ringer like you know on like Parks and Rec or Community or something like that. You know it's like he's yeah. you know brought in for kind of like those those one off. Uh, starring roles uh, or guest spots, I mean. But one of one of the things, a little known fact, uh, one one of the the Brian Posehn projects that that I actually really dug is back in oh gosh, I I don't remember the year, and I'm not going to look it up. But for uh, for a white hot minute, he was a co writer 
on uh, Marvel's Deadpool comic. Oh, and wow. it was, um, I think it was pre the movie to where like, you know, Deadpool was still, I mean, he's always been a, a popular character, but it was, you know, kind of basically like popular in, you know, comic books and action figures and media had not quite exploded post movie. And it was uh, Brian Posehn and a, uh, another, he was an independent comics writer uh, named uh, Jerry Dugan. And I had known him from like some like independent image comics and stuff. And this was kind of like one of his Marvel big breaks. Um, yeah. But I was going to say fans of this show, I've probably most recently seen him in uh, the very first chapter one Mandalorian. He was the speeder pilot. Yeah, that's uh, right. Like after, after uh, Din kicks along the uh, robot one. Uh, he he signs up with the human speeder pilot, and that's Brian Posey. Nice, awesome. And my favorite role, mm-hmm. if I can just Please. go for a little longer on this tangent, he played a role of uh, Octus in the show Symbionic Titan, a Jendi Tartakovsky uh, joint from back in the mm-hmm. day, and it is one of my favorite animated things of all time. I don't know why this isn't like the most popular show. It was, you know, it was Monster of the Week. It was funny. It had like teenage school drama but also like the toku stuff yeah, i mean yeah. it was it was everything um and he played he played one of the three main characters on that show so i think it was a really big part for wow him. that that's awesome uh so now folks have a have a couple few things to go check out and uh, um seek out those deadpool issues that they're, they're really good um so anyway yeah but uh so he he's our crook nino sexton and we see him parkour away from the police drones he's very spry this guy and he gets into a waiting getaway car and i think this is a great bit because he's commenting on how dumb people are but the getaway car he gets into is bumblebee our little yellow stinker is it at this point that we get um a reference to uh walking refrigerators like like he's um like it, it seems to me like the autobots are kind of like a known quantity at this point in terms of like you know crime fighting crime prevention law enforcement oh yeah that's interesting because i i heard that too and at first i was like did he just call bumblebee a walking refrigerator but then i thought maybe he was talking about a walk-in refrigerator like in a restaurant oh and then I actually wrote down, like, did he steal like lobster or shellfish? What is in that sack? That he's, did, he, did he rob a restaurant, <laughs> a well-guarded restaurant? It is ill-defined because uh, unlike the Angry Archer, it's not like there's like little dollar signs on it or there aren't like bills fluttering out of out of or bills or coins or or uh, anything there. It is it is weirdly ill-defined, but it's. It, it is just kind of funny, though, that this this little bit here with um, Nino Sexton thinking he's going to use Bumblebee as a as a uh, getaway car and Bumblebee just just immediately starts with the sass. And he he's just he's just kind of like messing around with this dude. I, I, I don't know what what style of writing or comedy or, or whatever it is, but you, you kind of see that it's a little tropey where like Bulkhead comes in. And they're having the, this conversation argument. Bulkhead just kind of uh, uh, wa- wants to watch the, the fireworks and Bumblebee's giving him sass. And they're, they're really not 
interested in uh in in this little small time crook this uh this nino sexton to the point where it's like you mind we're talking here you know you're, you're interrupting us yeah yeah uh and i was real excited for this episode to come up too mm. because we haven't talked about uh bumblebee's voice actor and i knew that we had this episode coming up so i was kind of saving it for here oh, but yeah, just yeah. to do a little more voice legislation we should talk about uh bumper robinson being the voice oh absolutely uh, yes Bumblebee. I, i've been waiting for this um well, he's actually voiced four characters we've seen in this show and the two we haven't, or rather two that you haven't, Mike. <laughs> um, so obviously Bumblebee is one of them. Blitzwing, interestingly enough, uh, I wouldn't have seen that coming, but he also voiced Blitzwing. Um, Porter C. Powell, we've talked about, yes. who is kind of the the foil to Sumdac, the, the evil Sumdac, if you will. Although if you think Sumdac's <laughs> evil, maybe he's like the good Sumdac. You have to weigh in on that hmm. one. But do you know who the fourth uh, character that we've seen that he's voiced is i feel like i should remember this off the top of my head um we've never talked about it so it'd have to be just your intuitive ear oh. but uh, uh it is i'm gonna go right into it it could because i bet you won't guess it but i know you've mentioned this character it's uh lester black who is a reporter on the on their news programs in the background so that's like their uh their, you know, their little local news guy. Um, and apparently he's been retconned as the nephew of Hector Ramirez. Do you know who Hector I, Ramirez I is? I do, in fact. So Hector Ramirez is kind of like a, a multi-universal being as well. He shows up as a, a Geraldo Rivera-esque TV reporter, journalist uh, uh, type of guy, but he showed up in a variety of Sunbow animation shows. So he, you know, a lot, most fans know him uh, uh, for being in Transformers, but he was also in G.I. Joe, Real American Hero, and he was also in Gem and the Holograms as well. So it's like that. Oh, the, wow. There's like this this kind of he he's the Nick Fury of the uh, uh, sure. Sunbow's shared cinematic universe because none of those shows explicitly crossed over. Like you know, sure you had um, the character of Old Snake show up in a season three episode of Transformers that it's implicitly Cobra Commander, even though not specifically said. Um, but that that is the only of that era crossover between uh, Transformers and GI Joe, which is interesting because like those brands are are very closely tied. But but that's that's the only time there was any kind of bleed over in animation, except for Hector Ramirez and nobody really th those dots aren't connected within their individual shows but if you're watching like a like a saturday morning power block of transformers gi joe and gem and i want to say he shows up in something else as well but i i that may be apocryphal because i i want to say i've seen a meme with like four images and i i i don't know what the fourth would be but anyway theoretically if if you get episode roulette you could theoretically see that character in uh in in three different shows which are kind of three different universes but also maybe not that's that's crazy even i didn't know it went that far mm -hmm. um yeah so the so the the genes of Hector Ramirez uh, have cast far and in, into the future of New Detroit. I like so we that. Still have, we still have some of that here in Lester Black. That's really cool. Um, but 
So Bumper Robinson himself, though, is a real good looking dude. I don't know if you've seen pictures mm-hmm. of him. Very handsome guy. He's got a lot of live action work mixed in with his voice work. Um, he's been the, he was the lead in a sitcom called Guys Like Us. He's had roles in Bones, the movie Death Valley, Behind Enemy Lines, the big spy. I don't know if it was big, but it was a bigger spy movie yeah. with uh, Owen Wilson. Um, and, and a Gene Hackman, my, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I buried the lead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But wow, I'm behind enemy lines. Wow. Oh, wow. Wow, enemy lines. Uh, we got to uh, go my get favorite. from behind enemy lines. Uh, I'm Gene Hackman. I don't, I don't know. This needs to end. That was perfect. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, but my favorite Bumper Robinson role of all time, and this is a deep, deep cut. I would be surprised if anyone's heard of this. Uh, he played Mondo in a live action made for TV movie of Generation X. Like the Marvel property, yeah, 1996, uh, live action made for TV. Um, it had Matt Frewer in it. Is it Matt Frewer? Frewer, I think. You know yeah, yeah, Frewer. Yeah. You know, it's really good. I don't think people give a lot of credit because it was like X Men before, like the 2000s X Men that everyone yeah. liked, where it didn't really, it wasn't that goofy costumes. Everyone was calling each other by their first name. Mm-hmm. It really kind of set the tone for it. But it is a wacky like very 90s kind of grungy apocalyptic movie um that's also x-men and i just loved it my uncle recorded it for me on vhs and i watched it over and over and over it is awesome interesting i remember watching it when it first aired i don't i don't remember if i recorded it on tape or if i just watched it regardless i'm one and done like i i've I've never been back to it in in 25 years but it does remind me kind of like a weird era that that kids today shakes fists at a you know at a at at younger folks uh, cartoonishly and playfully of course but you know at, at a time where superhero movies are so dominant and that you know kind of like nerd culture has become pop culture it's easy to forget that there was a time where this stuff wasn't as common like I, I would, I would throw that Generation X movie in with like the the David Hasselhoff Nick Fury movie, which pe- people people oh, right. like holy, because that was on Fox also, um, I believe. Um, yeah. And you know, there 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 were Marvel movies before Marvel movies, like like the the Dolph Lundgren Punisher movie. Um, there, there was a, there was a Captain America movie that that's uh, not particularly good. The, uh, the dude's costume has rubber ears on it. It's a, uh, but basically, like w- w- what I'm meaning is like prior to Blade in 1998, which kind of ushered in X Men and then Spider Man, and and then there was no turning back after that. This was the kind of stuff that we got, and we were happy with it. It's just like, yeah, it's like, well, you know, it's it's not the comic book costumes, but at least like, you know, uh, some of my favorite characters are are represented. Um, so, you know, I'll take what I can get, you know, that that kind of thing. Right. We're, we're and and a, and after having walked up ways up up the hill both ways in the snow to watch yes. it, uh, we were happy with what we got. We were gr- grateful for <laughs> exactly, it. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. So um, I I really like bumper robinson's bumblebee and and it 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 took i it took a few for it to kind of grow on me you know we've 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 talked about in these handful of episodes so far the 
character trajectory of Bumblebee. Like, you know, he he is full uh Dennis the Menace little stinker. He's it, that that seems to be his his uh character trait which I didn't really notice in the first few episodes. It took it a few for it to kind of like present itself to me. But regardless, I I think the voice fits this iteration of Bumblebee very well. You know, it's um I, I don't know. It, it it's got it's got a a swagger to it that other iterations of B don't necessarily have. Um, like certainly, like you know, you're not getting that from from a Dan Gilvezan uh, G1 Bumblebee. You know th- that it was more like you know like a um the earnest scout. You know you know yeah very wholesome. wholesome. Uh, you know any sass is like leave it to Beaver level sass. Yeah you know? yeah. Um, you know, very eager to be helpful and stuff like that. Where, whereas TFA B, you know, I mean, again, he's uh, if if there is if there is trouble to be found, he's gonna run straight forward for it, and and we're gonna see some of that here in uh in this episode as well. But I, I like it. I I I I yeah, I like it a lot. Oh, totally. Yeah. Uh, so that was a lot. Uh, thanks for. <laughs> sticking with us through that but yeah. there's some you know important voice work we yeah, had to yeah. get through there well i mean this um, is but just this yeah. is a big one yeah oh yeah yeah definitely so yeah just to get you back at the speed mm-hmm. uh nino sexton hops in bumblebee uh there's this whole walk-in refrigerator or possibly walking <laughs> refrigerator i don't know i just got caught up on that because i was like is this guy is this guy stealing food? Like, is this one of those, like, is this like a philosophy debate where like, he's, he's the good thief stealing food for his family? Like, is it, is it morally okay at this point? I don't know. It kind of like, I went off on a tangent and then checked back in. Man, he's, he's gone full temple of the dog. I don't mind stealing bread. Um, I I like, I like that. I went the grunge route as opposed to the more uh, Broadway uh, Jean Valjean uh, perspective. Like, like this is not Les Miserables. Um, sorry <laughs> right right could be could be <laughs> uh yeah so we have uh uh then bulkhead and bumblebee getting their little spat i think this is so funny because it's like this is quintessential bumblebee from this show yes. right like you've caught the bad guy and you let him go because you're a little cat and he's a little mouse and you want to chase him and you're just cocky you just you're cocky and you just love the chase yeah yeah and then so two worst people that could have been caught up alone with a criminal uh bulkhead and bumblebee because they start bantering and they bring down the whole uh pier that they're all watching the fireworks on uh nino sexton the criminal uh falls through he's hanging by uh you know a little plank and then optimus steps in uh to save him yep and that's kind of a weird role for optimus i'm sure he was pissed being like you know wanted to apprehend the criminal but instead has to you know save him first yeah and gives him a little like PSA for his for his business. He says, "I'm I'm kind of new to this planet, but I believe you're supposed to pay for those things before you run off with them." It's like a nice little chef's kiss, French kiss, uh, Optimus moment. And uh, I also thought it kind of reminded me. This whole scene kind of reminded me of the um, intro to the GI Joe movie, with just the fireworks going off and just sort of. I mean, it's not as heroic no but, but you know when you see optimus standing there with those fireworks there is something sort of like oh it, it just triggered the the america it's like peak americana 
triggering me. I thought I was the only one that thought that. I I was almost not even going to mention it uh, since we were moving away from the from the fireworks display. But like, there there's even like a you know some kind of like uh you know memory being being. Uh, uh, transportative type of audio texture where like the actual popping of the fireworks and even like the, you know, pop, 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 pop. It, it reminded me of that, of that GI Joe, the movie open, which incidentally is the greatest bit of GI Joe, anything. It is the, the absolute oh, so best cool. distillation of what is awesome about GI Joe. And then the movie starts, but, <laughs> but right, um, right. I, I've, I've had people tell me that GI Joe, the movie is better than Transformers the movie, and those people are crazy. Because um, I I, I yes. think it's based on the strength of that uh, opening. But but I digress. But yeah, it's like it, it's sure. amazing that that I had had that same kind of sensory experience. Because it's not yeah. just because well, it's like vague fireworks, but because it's like prominent fireworks at night, and you get a very very similar um, uh, sound effect there. Yeah. Well, and I know we're not crazy because we both felt it now. We had a little bit of like the nostalgic, patriotic Americana seeping yeah. in. And and I know that's what they were going for too, because it actually works on the thief for a second. There's a after after Optimus's old PSA, there's like they had they close in on his face and he's sort of got the I've been a bad boy face. I'm sorry for what I did face. Yeah. And it's almost that like it, that part did feel very wholesome, right? Like it's the I'm sorry for what I did. Mm-hmm. These fireworks are reminding me how great America is, yada, yada, yada. But I, they, they must have been going for that on some level because it's all there. Yeah. Well, and, and again, you know, and, and, and this is, this is not a, a criticism. It's, it's an observation. This is a children's show, you know, specifically targeted and aimed at kids. So right. when you have, I mean, th- this is kind of Optimus Prime at his most G1. Like, I mean, he's 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 dad in this uh, this situation or big daddy, as uh, Ron Friedman likes to call him, um, <laughs> which which is always mildly uncomfortable. But uh, uh, but, but that's neither here nor there. But, yeah, he's he's very earnest in this, which which I uh, really enjoyed. And, and kudos again to, to David Kay for for really bringing it. Well, and plus America was still cool in 2007. So this scene really this hit, is true. Uh, but, but I digress. Topical. I so love it. next, <laughs> not that kind of show. Uh, so we cut to, uh, we're back at Sumdak tower. I love this scene. Cause it's the two best buds in the oh world. Megatron gosh. and Sumdak. They're having their first spat, their first uh, lover's quarrel yes. where they've clearly been cooped up in the office together for too long. And now they're starting to get on each other's mm-hmm. nerves. Um, but it's just a great little scene. It just kind of them being, I don't know them being kind of like longtime buddies. It, it, there's something that tickled me about. Uh-huh. That. Uh-huh. And, and it's, it's, um, it, it's almost a, uh, analog for, uh, the, the two mics, two furious podcast production. Cause it's all like, it's like, well, I, I told you that wasn't going to work. Oh man. Well, I know I just wanted to do it though. You know, just kind of like right. some of that weird, weird bickering that, that, you know, uh, that, yeah. that, like you said, those longtime buddies had, but there, there was, there was this one thing that, that I, I don't know, man, I, I don't know how to feel about Isaac Sumdak lately because he's just sitting in that chair that that's uh that's Megatron's hand like last time right the hand last sugar. time we saw the lab you know we had a lot of discussion about it and, you know we compared it to the uh the hand chair in arrested development and it and it would trigger buster whenever he would say ah <laughs> um but now like he's 
Isaac Sumdak is explicitly not just sitting in the Megatron's hand chair, but like in Megatron's line of sight right in front of him. Yeah, well, I think even more than that, it's it's a little bit scary. It's he's playing with fire he doesn't know he's playing mm-hmm. with. Uh, he, I mean, he still thinks Megatron's a fun-loving Autobot, and he's totally under his control, and he's rebuilding him. Mm-hmm. And it's scenes like that that you know they're they're sort of simple and funny, but it's also like terrifying in a way because it's just like, man, if Megatron had hold of that hand, he would just squash him like a bug. There's this is all about his wants and needs. This is. You know, Sumdeck has no upper hand, if you will. <laughs> Love it. Um, so, so they have this uh, uh, thing with with the the busted servo that doesn't work, and Megatron says he needs something called Distronium to build parts of sufficient quality. Uh, but then Sumdak tells him that the only place to get Destronium is uh, that there's like this small amount synthesized on the earth. It's, it's very rare. And we, we may talk about Destronium a little bit more, but this is where in the episode I was like, Wait a sec. What are we doing here? Is is Distronium like a uh you know a prototype version of Transformium that kind of thing? It's like you know we've we, yeah. we've never heard of Distronium before, and it's he Megatron says something to the effect of where it's it's necessary for him to build parts, but when we see Destronium later, it's, it's in like a concentrated synthesized liquid form. So, right. Almost looked like the ooze from Ninja Turtles. Very similar. The canister was even kind of similar as well. Uh, it, it may as well say uh, TGRI or TGRI or yeah, something yeah. like that. Anyway, the, the Ninja Turtles thing on, on, on the side there, but yeah, I just, uh, uh, I, I, I don't know, Michael Andrews, what, what, on rewatch, uh, did this uh, make you cock an eyebrow about uh, um, Distronium suddenly being a thing in play? Yeah, I guess, you know, I hadn't seen this episode since um, Age of Extinction came out. So, mm. so yeah, there was a moment of like, oh, it's Transformium, but it hasn't quite been, uh, you know, workshopped. Like that name had come out of like, uh, you know, name testing for public consumption. But I, what did catch me on the name was I thought for sure, this made me feel so dumb. I thought for sure it was a reference to Destro, especially after that very G1 or GI Joe opening to the yeah. show. But it's actually Destron was what, you know, I think that's what Cybertron is. No, no sorry, that's what, what the Decepticons are called in like the Japanese Transformers. Exactly. Um, you know, you you could, you could, you know, a potato, potato, half of one, uh, six of one, half a dozen of the other, you know, I, cause like, yeah, it, it could be a double meeting. Um, well, and I think I was getting all in my head of like, you know, Destro's kind of like the arms dealer. He's a bad guy. You know, then I was thinking of the the live action G.I. Joe movie where they like did the liquid metal to his face right. kind of a thing. Like that's Destronium. I don't know. It was all wrapped up in there in my fever brain while I was watching this. And uh, yeah, but but yeah, clearly it's clearly it's a reference to the Destrons. Yeah. A reference. <laughs> a reference to Destrons. Um, okay, so from there, we uh, it, it's it's the next day, 
and Prime is given the business to uh, Bulkhead and Bumblebee. He's, you know, uh, again, he's he's dad here, and I think maybe maybe I'm overvaluing uh, the two scenes that we've seen Optimus in uh, so far, but he's he's being very stern here. He's he's again he's being very um dad like and he punishes bumblebee and says like hey you know what you need to work with prowl and bulkhead instead of messing around with these uh the these rocket boosters that that he suddenly found Um, well it is the it is the quintessential uh if you get in trouble you have to train with prowl like it's becoming just the up you screwed up train with prowl that's a straight up trope at this point yeah oh yeah for sure. Yeah, I think it is. He is being very dad-like. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he is being very stern, but he can't help himself dropping a little dad sarcasm. And I love, love, love the bit where he's just like, Feeling refreshed after a midnight swim? Like that's such like a, I'm pissed, but I'm still dad thing to say. Yeah. Uh, I wrote down good leader, 11 out of 10. I just love this moment with Optimus. Yeah. No, it's uh, it's good stuff. So we we've mentioned before that Bumblebee and Sorry are definitely two of a kind, and you get I I don't even want to call it role reversal because I don't know who is influencing who more here, but sorry has, has big little stinker energy here. <laughs> and so, oh, yeah. so she's got like these, these, these rocket boosters. <laughs> and- yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, this is just great. Uh, I mean, this is just makes Bumblebee's optics pop out of his head because this is like exactly right up his alley. Yeah. And it's a great scene because you have Optimus little pep talk about saying using your head instead of your thrusters. And sorry, I was like, speaking of thrusters, here's this giant, uh, you know, if you're compensating for something, have I got just the thing for you? Oh my gosh. Uh, and the garage doors open to reveal these grandiose turbo boosters. Sure. They're gorgeous, but but this is what I was getting at. Has nobody learned their lesson about upgrades from lockdown? We've seen this traumatic, traumatic episode. And what, one week later, they're like, you know what? I think I should graph something on yeah. myself <laughs> to improve myself in a way. And, and even the total meltdown episode was kind of hinting at that. We're like, try not, you know, don't augment yourself to make yourself better. Like, we should be listening yeah. at this point. Yeah, there, there's plenty of thematic track that has been laid already. But Bumblebee, you know, little Dennis the Menace, he's uh he is all too eager <laughs> to get these on there. He's like, he's like, yeah, hey, hey man, hey Ratchet, can you just like <laughs> weld these to my back? Yeah. Well, and I thought that was the cruelest of all. Rat, you're gonna ask Ratchet to do it after all he's been through with surgeries and all these memories, you're gonna be like, Oh, by the way, can you do the surgery? Can you personally do the surgery? You're not compromised emotionally or anything. Right. Are you right? Exactly. Put them on. Well, you know, uh, uh, reading the room is not Bumblebee's first uh, best strength. And uh, not that sorry had any exposure to that adventure. She probably has no idea about the whole uh, lockdown incident, but you know, she's like, yeah, man, uh, that, that, uh, it's stuff is totally safe. Yeah. Yeah. My dad's stuff is always totally safe, which is canonically untrue (laughs) right well and i think this is a great transition and this is something that marty eisenberg does really well this transition where we cut to uh 
Sumnac. We have a problem with the new Turboblade cyber suit. Send me the design specs and I will try to work out the bugs. As a test subject is doing laps to his <laughs> death behind him. Uh, <laughs> Isaac Sumnac's invention failing right in front of us oh. uh, at the exact same time. Love it. And this is where, like, it, it borders on the line of, of too convenient, but it's also, I think, pretty tight writing because we get to um, the fact that while there is some Destronium here in town, we can't get it across town fast enough because it's too volatile. But at the same time, there's the cyber suit that's malfunctioning right behind Isaac Sumdak, but that actually has the ability to increase a human speed and an ability a thousand percent which is crazy bananas um but oh then megatron has this light bulb (laughs) right now i have the means i just have to get it across town absolutely well and, and and it's funny too because like you know we've talked a lot about Corey Burton's delivery as as Megatron here and I I still like you know he he's he's still kind of Dr. Smithing it up here. He's like, "Oh yeah. no, the pain." <laughs> and it's and I love I love this this bit with uh with Isaac Sumdeck where he's just like, "Oh, hey man, we you we should call your Autobot friends." And it's like, <laughs> "No." Oh yeah. Right. Like that's, that's how he actually does take the upper hand back. He's like, uh, uh, no, 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 no. Yeah. Right. I, I wouldn't want them to see me in this weak state. <laughs> oh, the pain. It's so funny. I, again, and I, Isaac Sundeck, who's obviously I concerned with self image, uh, is like, oh, I understand that. I, I kind of wonder where Isaac Sundeck's head is with regards to what megatron is saying it's like you know do, does he pick up on that uh, uh right away or does he have to kind of take a step back and think about it right right it does end up being sort of a, a tenuous situation they have there right because he's really needs to keep uh some deck from from bringing this up to the autobots mm-hmm. and yet at all times some decks like has the guilt but also i think i need them to step in because there's sort of like I need him to save Megatron's life kind of a situation. Yeah. It, it is just getting very tense. And I, and I like that. I like that show. I like that in any show. Yeah. And, and, and it's, it's a pot of boiling water just kind of set on simmer. You know, it's like, it's enough yeah. where like the, the lid is just kind of jiggling enough, but you know, it's going to boil over at, at, at some point. And, and again, oh, I, yeah. I, I really appreciate the, the, um, building tension as a as opposed yeah. to you know just doing things quick i i like that this is this is building over several episodes yeah and maybe that's why i like episodes like this where you have sort of these one-off supervillains because it does help the tension every week that we don't get to the bottom of this megatron thing uh it's just building inside of us and it's it's getting like fun and uncomfortable fun comfortable if you will. <laughs> it's fun comfortable that's a yeah. that's that's a button <laughs> right. so the light bulb goes off over megatron's head and we cut to nino sexton's bail being posted mm-hmm. uh he's confused about the identity of his gracious benefactor but i think we all know who it is mm-hmm. uh megatron clearly daryled nino out of jail Did people get that reference Do you remember the movie daryl Oh yeah, sure. Back in the eighties, oh, about the robot, the kid. acronym. Yes, yeah, it took me a yeah. sec. So, 
Right. So in the, I just watched that movie this last weekend and there's a scene where he like goes to uh, the ATM and he like hacks it and adds a million dollars to his foster dad's account. Mm-hmm. But that got me thinking, did did Megatron use actual Sumdac funds to get Nino Sexton out of jail or did he just do some like, you know, clever hacking? Uh, I think maybe we get a little bit of an answer later on, but at this point in the show, I was like, oh yeah, wouldn't this be, you know, wouldn't we have known that, that he used the real, if he used real money, right? I don't know, maybe it's a weird tangent to get caught on. Sure. Sure. Um, it it is, it is kind of a, uh, John Connor, easy money situation where, where the, where this ATM is just spitting bills out, which is, which is, which is kind of hilarious. Right. right. There, there was one little bit earlier, uh, a moment ago, when uh, Isaac Sumdak was was looking at the tech specs for the tur- Turbo Blade cyber suit, and it just it just kind of cracked me up because, like you know, uh, you've pointed out in uh previous episodes you know like the 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 uh graphs and schematics and this one kind of cracked me up too because like of its delightful simplicity like it's it's a it's a schematic of the turbo blade cyber suit but it just has like infographics pointing to it that just says body leg boots and backpack it's like no shit sherlock (laughs) incidentally body leg boots backpack was my mantra for getting ready for school every day so i just kind of looked in the mirror and sort of body leg boots backpack backpack. (laughs) uh yeah so he we see him uh get this suit uh delivered by um, a little robot helper buddy Mm -hmm. uh, a tireless mechanical partner if you will delivers the suit to sexton outside the uh, courthouse and it's got an N already on it. Or are we to believe maybe that's S for some deck and it got turned a little bit. Like I could see that happening, but, or I kind of like the idea that Megatron was like, you know, he's into it for a little flair and he wants to, he wants to sort of make this super villain. So he makes him a cool costume. I like that one because as we know, this Megatron has a flair for theatrics yeah yes i can definitely see i wonder if instead of being a gladiator minor uh poet you know champion of the underclass that you know megatron has kind of been uh retroactively uh contextualized as maybe uh maybe tfa megatron was just a theater kid (laughs) Right, right. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Alternate, alternate. Yes, history. yes. <laughs> I mean, a murderous uh, the- theater kid, but but uh, right, but right. A flair for for. I think that goes hand in hand already. I don't. I think that's. Oh no! Shots fired at theater kids. <laughs> that's not nice. No, no. I love theater kids, and they're and they're murderous. <laughs> uh, so we get a. So we Double get a down. sweet shot. J- Nice, nice change of subject here. We got a sweet shot of Bumblebee speeding down the freeway with Bulkhead and Prowl. Um, I like this scene too because it, uh, other than it just being cool, uh, we also get to see Prowl's hologram driver. I love any chance we get to see that guy uh, appear on Prowl. Is is this um, the is this mustache guy's first appearance? No, I'm I'm struggling to remember because I know we've seen the actual cops that look like yes. that. Um, but I don't know that we've seen the hologram. I feel like we have, though, at this juncture. 
Maybe. I, I only bring that up because there's this dialogue between Bumblebee and Prowl where it's like... The point of this exercise is to blend into your environment. Oh, right. Because nothing says blend like a motorcycle driving itself. Right. Great point. I mean, as much as he's a stinker, great point. So Prowl is showing off his hologram driver and Bumblebee, I think it's cool. He's showing off that he's still technically a cop car because he whips out his little siren uh, so that they can head to the bank robbery. Which you you get some really good. We, we've talked about this this before in other contexts, but like. I like when you see Transformers sticking their arms out doing stuff like so you get Bumblebee literally like from the 70s cop shows things takes the red siren and and throws it on top of his own roof. I thought that was pretty funny. And I know we talked about this a little bit last time, but again, there's just something so natural in this show when they do it. There's not you know, you don't have to worry about the you know, CGI or live action, how the parts actually fit together. Like it's just very like Looney Tunes. Yeah. We need an arm out the window. Boom. There it is. And it, you don't even flinch at it because in this show, it just, everything feels sort of fluid and natural and it makes sense. Yeah. So they're headed to a bank robbery and the bank is being robbed by an orange and black blur. At this point, we have no idea who that could be. I I'm totally stumped. Um, but someone says, <laughs> what happened to my money? Be? And believe it or not, it's just <laughs> nanosec. I don't, I don't know. Right. So someone says, what happened to my money? And then the clerk says, it just disappeared in a nanosec, nanosec, nanosec. And there <laughs> we go. Plan. Lisa needs born. braces. <laughs> nanosec. <laughs> Lisa needs braces. Nanosec. Lisa needs braces. And meanwhile, I'm I'm like a, a, a producer guy from pitch meeting. I'm like, that's the name of the movie. Right. 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 So, yeah, here here we have this. And then I. Uh, I, I just want to bring up again. I like Nanosec. I think he's cool. I like now that we're seeing his colors and his style. I like that look. And it is kind of it does sort of make a weird sense because if if uh, the angry archer was sort of the green arrow, this is like the flash. Totally. So it's almost like they're taking heroes from DC and turning them into the supervillains of this show. Yeah. Which I kind of like. Nanosec flees the police. Uh, Bumblebee cuts him off and it's like a you again moment where they have I love that because they're like both like you again yeah. <laughs> what do you mean uh, you again <laughs> it's right. you again what do you mean you again <laughs> yeah what do you mean you again <laughs> <laughs> so Bumblebee is clearly pissed because someone else has Heelys and before that he was the only one yes. <laughs> now Nanosec does uh, he says definitely lose the suit it makes you look 10 years older and now we get a little foreshadowing into what's happening. Here. Oh, I missed that um, line. Wow. Yeah, I think, I mean, yeah, it blows the whole uh, finale right yeah, open. Cause, but cause, yeah, he says, love the suit. It makes you look 10 years older. Because I didn't know. First first time watcher. And so so that just that that just shot right over my head. Well, I, I think this is a tough, this whole aging thing is a tough bit for a kid's show. Because yeah. I think every kid just thinks every person older than them is 100 years old. So I don't know how well this played. I wonder if they were able to tell the difference in the age spectrum uh, of Nanosec. But anyway, the the we see him take off, but he's he's it's clearly aging him, right? Yes. This running is sort of like the rock star lifestyle where you're aging just a little too fast. Uh, the bags gets too heavy for him. He needs to take a break. Uh, and then Prowl steps in, gives him a little ping with his shuriken, yeah. uh, which I love to see. Anytime we get a little Prowl shuriken in there, that's tons my, of speed that's lines jam. too. Oh yeah. Pretty rad. yeah. And I think, I think it's a really important uh, scene of social commentary because we see Prowl, the cop beating on a senior citizen. <laughs> I think that was uh 
that was something very important uh, for the writer to get in there. I'm a- sure. A- absolutely, it was a different time. It was uh, <laughs> it was it was 2008. Wait a sec, right. not that kind of show. Right, not right. that kind of show. We we keep saying not that uh, kind of show. Um, yeah. a cab. Anyway. <laughs> yep. So Bumblebee Bumblebee is in pursuit because uh, of course nanosex slips away. Yeah. And B spins out on the train tracks and wouldn't you know it, a locomotive is uh tearing into town right at that moment. And it, this kind of reminded me of the um episode of Earth Spark that had Bumblebee in a train situation and there was someone stuck yes. on the tracks. Uh but in this was a little bit less believable, but also kind of a cool because how that gets stopped in this is that bulkhead stops the train. Mm-hmm. He just like does what he does best and just like yanks it off the tracks with his incredible Hulk like might. Right? Do you love that? Good stuff. Yeah. So so a couple things there. One one of the things we see with with Nanosec is he's uh, you you had mentioned like the bag is getting heavier and the while the suit gives him super speed, it doesn't specifically give him super strength so right. so I, th- I think that's kind of an important distinction as as the sequence continues but i i i i have mixed feelings about the bumblebee stuck on a train thing because like i mean i, I i'm all for some pre-commercial break light peril but um end of the day he's a transformer you don't you just switch into robot mode and 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 just just kind of get out of the way i i I didn't i found a hard time believing or buying in that this whole perspective of bumblebee is in peril because he he's stuck on the train track that that maybe there was an explanation more that um that i missed maybe like because of the way his transformation is maybe having that wheel stuck impedes how um how he transforms or something like that but i don't know if the episode actually um says that yeah we do get kind of a moment later that's sort of humorous uh which it actually ends up playing pretty well Mm -hmm. um that i think might give us an answer but Mm. in the meantime yeah he's stuck on the train tracks and uh nanosec gets away for real this time um and his mysterious benefactor is in fact revealed to be Megatron. And even more importantly, I guess for me, we find out that he really is using Sumdac's funds, actual Sumdac money to to pay off this criminal um, because he gives him, uh, it's like a life lock situation. He gives him Isaac Sumdac's pin number oh and social God. security and gives him every bit of information about his entire life. And he's like, do whatever you want with this unlimited funds. <laughs> and then uses that same ATM screen yeah. to give him his mission. And I think this is sort of a troubling scene for another reason, mm. because it points to Megatron having con- way more control of the city than we were led to believe. Yes. So now we've seen how far his his core conscious, if you will, has escaped Sumdax lab and he can actually control uh technology in the city mm-hmm. yeah and uh uh first of all kudos to you on the life lock joke that that was that was really good i i <laughs> I, I, I really like that but um <laughs> the other thing that's that's interesting about this manifestation of megatron as this uh uh specter um because like he says something to where like what the who said that 
This strobing frequency can only be perceived at ultra-high speeds. If you receive this message, I need you to transport a package for me. I ain't nobody's errand boy. Unless the price is right. Which I thought was interesting. Oh. But more than that, I think it's it's interesting the form that that Megatron manifests himself as. Because we know what his disembodied head looks like. And design-wise, it takes a lot of G1 cues. Like you could see, like, you know, kind of like the the uh kind of forehead eyebrows that that are kind of more iconic to G1 Megatron's design. Um, and it has a very kind of like G1 type helmet type of thing, like with like the sides and parts of the, yeah. the top of it. But this this specter that this manifestation uh that that Megatron is presenting both through the ATM and as like a, a projection for uh nanosec is it's very much cybertronian megatron where it's got like you know like a lot of like the curved edges and uh, and a lot of like the craggly jaggly you know kind of kind of um um sharpened space junk type of um uh type aesthetic yeah so and and it's interesting we talked about this in our in our last episode where in Ratchet's flashbacks, we saw um, a little bit of Cybertronian Megatron, and I didn't go back to it, but like, is this face design the same one that we saw from flashback with, uh, uh, with Ratchet and Lockdown and Arcee? I I'm not specifically sure, or, or is it something more closer to how we see Megatron at the beginning of Transformers Animated, where it's not full cybertronian it's kind of it's kind of like somewhere in the middle like like alpha magnus had pointed out like you know cybertronian megatron has like two or three different iterations that 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 we've kind of seen already very briefly yeah it's uh it, it's definitely a very stylized version of megatron that we've seen like it, it's almost like impossible impossible dimensions elongated mm. uh his his you know parts there of the face um which i think is really cool because that sort of goes into like this is what i think i look like or this is what i want to look like the residual self-image sort of a thing and also it kind of reminded me of transformers prime version of megatron very much so. uh, a little bit yeah so but i mean and that makes sense because transformers prime megatron is is hearkening back to the movie mega live action movie megatron and this show is trying to tap into the popularity of the movie so there is like some synergy there um but uh, but what i think about this you know the way this vision appears to nanosec is like yeah, it's a very like stylized, cool version. And we don't know. We don't know if it's true Cybertronian style or if it's just like Megatron wishes he could look this cool. Ah, that, that's a great point. Kind of like you self-actualized through your avatar, that um, that type of thing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So basically, we uh, I had mentioned this earlier, but Nanosec goes to the cash machine and he gives him his yeah. mission. It's like, hey, man, you got to get the Destronium and uh, and bring it back to Sumdac Tower uh, within 10 minutes. Yeah, Daddy needs his fix of Destronium. <laughs> yeah, you have yeah, to get like, really here. In here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So 
we cut to Bumblebee. I think this is an important scene because we see Bumblebee just doing laps like a crazy person yes. uh, trying to get his speed up there. And it kind of reminded me, I mean, it, it was kind of a sort of a tragic scene a little bit, but it also kind of reminded me of this great scene in the office mm. where Dwight just has to prove he's faster and he's like running around the building and Pam's timing him. But he's, she's like, this isn't even a timer. It's a calculator. <laughs> it's just Bumblebee trying to get like objectively faster somehow. So he, he just can't handle being the second fastest thing in town. I think this is a great Bumblebee episode because we finally see a good foil for him of like, oh, damn it. You know, like I'm not I'm not the fastest anymore. Yeah. And, you know, for as much as sorry is a little stinker, you can tell that this process has been going on for presumably hours like she she is is bored and very put upon and and conversely uh bumblebee is is very dejected as well like you know that that he can't beat the same record they just keeps hitting the same time over and over and this leads to him again going to the guy with with a uh, uh, medical surgical trauma with regards to like upgrades and parts he rolls up to to ratchet and he's like hey man i, I needs them turbo boosters yeah it's sort of a great uh dichotomy here because megatron is across town fiending for the dystronium yeah. and then here's bumblebee like give me those boosters like i need them i need them and it's sort of interesting like how much he thinks he needs them like how like desperate he is to you know you almost but but because it's bumblebee you know it's not a completely heroic reason for wanting those turbo boosters but he also sort of has this moment of like hey these are important i need these to save the town kind of a thing it's it's nice it's nice to see bumblebee have to like get a little serious uh for once even if it's you know we kind of see it as like a silly reason mm -hmm. i i really appreciate that dichotomy though between megatron and bumblebee both having that that similar need it's like it's like is it is this almost accidentally a an analogy for addiction oh yeah, yeah. it's like i could very well I, be. I didn't think about that until we just landed on it right now but 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 it is very uh similar energy in terms of just like that that primal need um uh for it you know yeah. whether it's the destronium or the um or the uh, uh rocket boosters turbo boosters well this is the th you know the third episode out of eight episodes that has to deal with like body modification and people thinking they need something so i think there's definitely like an undertone of that mm -hmm. um and then if we yeah and then if you tune it up to like that being a level of addiction there's definitely something yeah and uh, so the Autobots are called to action. You get another terrific Optimus Prime transform and roll out. Um, if I if I if I was putting in uh, button dingers in here, that this is certainly where I would I would put one because I will call that out anytime I see it because it rules. It, I I don't I don't know why, but like on a on like a a uh primal extinction uh, primal come on i didn't e i didn't even do that on purpose but like it whenever optimus prime says transform and roll out or or autobots transform and roll out um it just it, it really uh, uh touches a spot in my soul yeah it's really it's really nice to see and he gets a nice little uh you know moment of transformation that's kind of just about him mm -hmm. uh it's very very cool scene but bumblebee does not uh transform and roll out with the rest no. of them uh he hangs back and uh sorry has a scheme 
And I think we all know what that scheme <laughs> is because we drink every time. Shredded. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, what, what, what could it be? <laughs> what could it be? What could sorry do that no one else can? <laughs> then we cut to Optimus. He's stopping Nanosec. Th- this part caught me a little bit because he stops Nanosec with a uh, quote unquote negative friction lubricant. Yeah. Uh, Mike, did you take away that this was some kind of like Sumdac creation or is this just regular oil and this is just another way Cybertronians <laughs> refer to stuff? Oh, you know, I, I, I took it as just regular degular oil. Um, and I didn't, I didn't really think about where Optimus got it or where it came from because I, I'm trying to remember if it's cause like, I think he, what rolls up in, in fire truck mode and he's got like a nozzle on the top of his truck while i'm trying to remember if there was like a a drip of fluid to uh uh to indicate that optimus had had uh had put the put the negative friction lubricant out there yeah but i i i guess i didn't really think about it what uh um what do you think where where do you think the yeah i don't know i mean is oil a negative friction lubricant like this is where that thing i couldn't tell if you know they were just doing that thing where like aliens say things weird sometimes Mm -hmm. Or if this was actually like some sort of, you know, modified, better invent, obviously it works a lot better than just your regular WD-40. Right. Um, so maybe, maybe there is some sort of modification to it, but a, a true negative friction lubricant, that's pretty wild. Like just erases friction. That'd be uh, a powerful tool. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And it's probably the, the last oil change you would, you would ever need. Because, you know, the, the thing with motor oil is, you know, that there's there is a certain amount of friction to it, you know, and, you know, get, you right. know, uh, you know, viscosity and thermal breakdown. And and yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, so it's interesting in this far flung future of uh, new Detroit in in twenty one fifty seven or or whatever it happens to be. Um, yeah, I I don't. I don't, I, I don't know. And it'll be interesting. Just one of those little tangents I get caught up yeah. on when I've seen this show a million times now. No, I love it. Something new to look for. Um, but it, I guess it excited the old man in me mm. that I was like, oh, wow, less of a need for an oil change. Now that's literally the best invention we've seen on this show. Right. Well, and we know we talk a lot about themes and we know that uh, conservation, conservatism, that, that kind of thing is one of the themes, like, you know, in terms of like, you know, theme themes of you know hey try not to break the earth anymore it's already broke enough um yeah but but i i th- i think in this in this instance we're we're assigning maybe too much value to the this uh this this oil slick right right yeah i'll uh i'll email the writers of the show later and find this out we can move perfect forward. i i love uh, it so sorry yes has of course abused her key drink yes. uh, to attach the turbo boosters to bumblebee and this is like my favorite moment of this whole episode they have sort of a dude where's my car esque back and forth about who rocks more <laughs> i mean it's obnoxious but it's cute and it's just like you rock no you rock no you rock no you rock i said you rock i said you rock you rock you rh- and uh i just i just liked it a lot so Optimus and it goes um, on for oh, sorry, go no ahead. it goes on for entire minutes. I mean, it's, I, yeah. I do like though that it has yeah. has a two mics two furious fade to it, like as as they're driving away. Right. But I I do appreciate their dynamic in that like uh like like I had said earlier, it's like who's influencing who at this point, who who is more of a little stinker and who's 
uh, stinker tendencies are amplified by uh, by the other because like I I don't know which one of them is the bad kid you know because like because right. either way you know the good son if you will. exactly so it's like I I don't know which one is which because at this point it kind of seems to be like a self-sustaining generator of Right. Uh, of of Dennis the Menace Cyclone mischief um to where where yeah. they are just actively enabling and and uh, uh building on uh one another's uh, uh worst tendencies right it's almost as if Dennis the Menace didn't have like a Joey or a Margaret with them uh we just had another Dennis the Menace and they're just like whoa now there's two of them yes us. yeah oh my gosh there's two of them <laughs> <laughs> there's two of them so Optimus and Nanosec are still fighting and Op- Optimus is questioning him about the suit. And then Bumblebee, uh, and I'm really proud of this little thing that I wrote. I put Bumblebee lives up to his name and bumbles the interrogation. Uh, he speeds in, uh, but he can't stop because of the negative friction lubricant, quote unquote. Uh-huh. And, and of course the road is closed. Like this is just a big like disaster movie situation happening. Uh, he speeds in, can't stop. Mike, I'm yeah. asking you because this might relate to your score, but did you get sort of vibes of Hot Rod coming to Megatron's rescue? Or it's not Megatron's rescue, but <laughs> in the Megatron, in the Megatron, and, right, in the Megatron. That's in, how I watched the film. It was film. an inside job. Right. You know, it's like, oh no! So now remember, you just kind of got to have like a loose headlock on there, and it's like, yeah, I know what I'm doing, and and you know, and I get the Matrix afterwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fine. It's like, and, and you'll right. be rewarded handsomely for yeah you know uh, uh battle of autobot city was an inside job yeah there follow you the money uh, change, change my mind <laughs> yeah uh, change my mind <laughs> <laughs> louder with so, hot rod <laughs> yeah so i guess i just kind of i kind of got a little note of that mm-hmm. uh where you know super bumblebee's finally gotten ultra heroic but he's squealing in nobody wants him to do it but he ruins the moment for prime i just i guess a little bit of transformers the movie there uh, for me uh definitely maybe i'm reaching well no no i i um i i pick up a little bit of that because we we've talked about previously the correlation between um hot rod hot shot and bumblebee you know to where they're, they're kind of like aspects of the of the same type of character i mean very different of course but um um similar tendencies at times for me though the the uh the more explicit transformers the movie uh reference since since we're since we're going there is him uh bumblebee literally bashing through those uh those road signs which kind of looks kind of looks similar to what uh what cup and his crew were kind of you know a little to the left a little bit more you know that that kind of thing i mean it's i mean we're we're talking road signs but um i just happened to be uh looking at it at a picture of it and you know with like the the caution bars on it it does it does look kind of similar which which is kind of interesting yeah did we already get to the point where prime and nanosec are kind of jawing back and forth and um because i i I didn't want to lose it the the whole like nuts bolts and uh and uh and armor parts here um is is that here yeah Yeah, they're having their little back and forth here before bumblebee screws oh yeah that's right so it's it's oh it's when 
Optimus tells him that it's the negative friction uh, lubricant. And and so, yeah, so Nanosec is like, what is this stuff? Are you nuts? <laughs> and Prime very matter-of-factly says, And technically I'm nuts, bolts, and armor plating. With a few added features. Which I, I really liked. I mean, again, Optimus getting a lot of terrific dad lines in this, uh, in the, in this particular yeah. adventure. Right. Yeah. Boy, this, this is getting sexier by the second. We got negative friction lubricant. We got nuts. We got lots. Yeah. Stuff yeah. Yeah. Oh man. I mean, you know, it, yeah, no, that's, that's great. It, it, that uh, the dad optimus is, is real. It, it's, it's totally uh, appropriate to, to ship humans and transformers, right? That, that, that's a thing. Yeah. Um, no one ever have this problem. With sure. That. Yeah. Not, not troubling at all. And he, uh, uh, Optimus, he, uh, he calls the ax, which, which is kind of, kind of one of my favorite things also. Um, yeah. yeah, I, you know, so fixated am I on Transformers animated, uh, Optimus Prime's axe that now I can't help but see it in other places. Like they, there, there's this, uh, uh, leaked TV spot for Rise of the Beasts. And there is there is a scene where Optimus is like like falling down. I'm presuming it's like the the side of Unicron or something like that. But he pulls out a very TFA looking axe to kind of like, you know, stick it in the side of the wall oh, and, and like, you know, prevent himself. And like I immediately sent you that screenshot. I'm like, tell me you're using the TFA axe without telling me you're using the TFA axe because it <laughs> yeah, because it has a very similar shape where it's got like you know the big curved blade in the front and a little, little stubby bit at the um on the back of it and yeah and we got kind of the blue glow in there too um if there if some rockets shoot out of the back of oh it, my gosh uh, we we are gonna be we're gonna be right there we're gonna be it's gonna i'm there for oh it. man that that's gonna be a real morbius sweep situation and then he just axed all over everybody it's action time oh where he does like the, the full anime uh rocket propelled yeah. axe thing that would be a that would be super oh, rad. beautiful <laughs> yeah so we're kind of in this crazy cocaine scene here where it looks like everything's happening so fast uh the the road the road is closed bumblebee's speeding towards the you know a drop off ratchet yanks old man nanosec off his rocker mm -hmm. um he <laughs> nice. he uses his cool little appraisal tool his little thing that drops over his eye and he's yep. able to quickly uh identify nanosec's cargo as the unstable dystronium he knows exactly what it is of course he's a scientist he knows all that stuff uh, but it turns out the high-speed transport also makes this stuff volatile. And at this point, I wrote, Dear Lord, how is this stuff supposed to be transported then? Like, you have to get it across town super fast, but it also can't be transported at high speeds? Like, what is this stuff? <laughs> our, our DNA doesn't do that. No. Like, it, 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 can you imagine? It's dystronium. It's crazy. Jeez, yeah, it's going to destroy something. Yeah, you're right, right? Uh, so... Nanosec nabs it again. Uh, they almost have to let him go at this point. I think this is a really smart kind of bit of writing there because like now they kind of have to let him get away because he's pretty much the only one that can keep carrying this, uh, even though it's damaging him and it's dangerous for the city. And then this is where Bumblebee is like can't control his vehicle mode. And he's like, ah, and he's freaking out and he's in the lubricant. Um, and I think this is what I was talking about earlier, Mike, where now um, we have Ratchet stepping in. And he's like basically just like transform you dummy. Right. You're a like, transformer. Oh, here we get, I mean, here we get that Bumblebee gets so excited and, and into his moment, he can't remember to transform. So that might explain that scene where he's stuck on the railroad tracks a little bit more. 
not not a great way, but we can see like that's in character with him not being able yeah. to transform when he needs to. You know what? I'll allow it. I I, I like that. You 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 win a two mics two furious no prize. Good good job. Yes. I, I love it. No no that's that that's you're you're absolutely right because like when you put the the two events in the same episode, they're consistent with one another. Motion carries. I like it. All right. <laughs> I've showed relevance. Yes. Uh, so now there's not enough time to unequip the turbo boosters. So guess what? Bumblebee gets to keep them. And this is a cool moment because it kind of plays off what Optimus said earlier about using your head and not your thrusters. He says, I'm using my head and my thrusters. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, very good little Bumblebee line there. Um, he's the only one that can catch up to nanosec. Um and now, but he also knows how to stop him because he's exploiting humans' true weakness, which is aging. Uh, I think that's the one that gets all of us. So he goes for that. And and so I think, you know, more than just the speed stuff, it's the old jokes that get to nanosec. Dealing with his rapid aging, I think that's what really got him in the end was was the hurtful aging jokes. Yes, the, the um, sick burns. <laughs> and he is kind of a tragic character to me. I mean, we've sort of established that he's, he's might not be the most evil thief of the show. He might be doing this for a good reason. He might just have been stealing food earlier. <laughs> um, and now he's just, yes. yeah, now he's just looking extra pathetic. And, and in my head, I'm thinking he needed that money to save a sick grandma or something. Right. So I don't know, like there's just something there that, that makes him seem extra pathetic to me. Yeah. And so now he, but he, he's able to get the volatile destronium away, but it's, it's basically a nuke at this point, yeah. right? Like it's about to go off. There's nothing they can do. And this is where we get, I thought this was so cool. We get another sort of Avengers moment, right? Because this is like the end of the original Avengers film where they have to get rid of this nuke and they send Tony Stark up to the wormhole Mm -hmm. and they even do it like that, right? They all stack up and they're just like, you know, using turbo boosters. We're going to chuck Bumblebee as high as we can to get him out of the atmosphere. Um, And then he comes down and he's like superheated on reentry. And it's just sort of like this, it it evoked that same kind of feeling when Tony Stark was falling out of the sky for me, when Iron Man was just kind of like crumpling loose back to the earth. Um, You know, we get some sad music playing Mm -hmm. and Ratchet's able to use his magnets to slow him down, which of course, you know, I love, but Optimus is also primed to use his, uh, firefighting goo, yeah. you know, his, his stuff there. I think that's, I, I just love when they have those moments. It's like the characters are right where they need to be. They do. They've already established that they can do the things that we need for the scene. Yes. It's not just like, you know, this isn't the first time Optimus's uh, firefighting stuff has come up. So now we can actually see it in use for another reason. Yeah. And I think this is just such a great use of not only just kind of sad music to show the sadness of the scene that Bumblebee might really be hurt, but what a great play on what we know about Transformers, which is they go gray when they die. Yeah. Right? Because when Bumblebee crashes back down, he goes all gray, just like Optimus did when he died in the movie. And it's like, oh man, you know, he's he's dead. Right. Like that, that was a great way to be like, you know, everything you've seen so far you know, they didn't change color before. Now this is serious. Yeah. It, it's a, it's a terrific establishment of stakes and this whole sequence underscores 
how well, how effective this team of Autobots are. It's, I mean, so from like, you know, the, the whole uh, stacking fastball special thing where it's like, you know, uh, you know, prowl rockets be up, but he can only take him so far. And then like, you know, his boosters have to have to take him the rest of the way. Um, um, super rad uh, bits of teamwork. And we are at least two for two on references to the Avengers movie three years before that, that movie came out. Yeah. This, this was January of 2008 and, uh, and Avengers came out in May of 2012. So it, it's, it's fascinating to see the prototype versions of iconic sequences that it's like, I wonder if folks you know, watching Avengers, we're like, wait a sec, isn't that like that scene in TFA? You know, that's uh, yeah. um, that's just wild. Uh, a, a couple things I wanted to um, uh, touch on before we got too much further away. One, when uh, when Bumblebee is out of control and can't stop, we we talk a lot about sorry using her key incorrectly. This is another instance of the key not working. Like, uh, like Bumblebee's like, like, well, use your key. And she has the AllSpark key in, uh, Bumblebee's in, in the ignition and she's like turning it over and it, and it's not doing anything. So yeah, we, we, we've talked a lot at times about how the AllSpark seems to have its own agenda and, and a certain degree of self-awareness we've seen it through action that it takes like say imbuing the dinobots with cybertronian life or in in cases like this it's like is there a specific purpose for the all spark key to not work like is it is it something where um i mean i mean not to get too philosophical here on a transformers podcast but like is is the all spark through not helping through inaction, trying to put Bumblebee on on a path to the, this this um this this bit of heroics he's going to do. I I'm not sure it was it, yeah. it, it was just something that just kind of knocked loose as uh, as we were chatting here. Yeah, well, I think there is something sort of um, deific, um, mm. spiritual, uh, you know. It, like a like the the fact that it's sort of like uh, this key is like a piece of Transformers God if we want to go sure, there. Sure, sure. Um, so I I do kind of like the idea that it's sort of picking and choosing situations, and it's not just it's not just like you said the action. It's also the inaction, the choices that it's making to get people where they need to be. Mm-hmm. Sort of like uh, sort of like the Force, sort of like you know moving in mysterious ways and getting people. I kind of like that. I kind of like that take on yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, it's because it, like I I think that makes more sense than the all spark key quote unquote not working or being broken or something like that. It's like no, it it is it picks and chooses. It it, it knows there there's some kind of agenda as as you've said previously. It's uh, yeah, it, it's interesting to to uh, noodle through. It almost makes you want to go back and watch all the episodes where it did work for things that were kind of seemingly um, frivolous or things that sorry wanted it to do and it did it like yeah 
kind of, and maybe analyzing why it did that. You know, I'm thinking back to that episode in uh, Home is Where the Spark is when she was using it for the her scary stories. Then when the machinery really did start coming to life, no one believed that it wasn't her. Right. And I wonder if it was teaching her a lesson. You know, we kind of saw it as like the writers of a lesson. But what if, you know, the, the idea was that the key was teaching her a lesson? Yeah. Letting, the, letting those things come to life um, just so she wouldn't be believed later. Interesting. That's deep. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think we, uh, we cracked something open here. Also, on on the on the topic of Nanosec and his uh, costume design and overall his his uh, uh, character model design, I think it was uh, wise to give him uh, flaming red hair. That way, when he does start to age, it's more th- 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 there's. It, it's more of a change. Like if he was like, say blonde, it, it wouldn't have the same impact as going from like right. uh, uh copper top red to uh white to the point where even, um, didn't you used to be a redhead? Yeah. He says, didn't you used to be a redhead? Right. Right. Oh. And then, then it's prowl that says, um, well, you know, when, uh, when, when, when these squishy organics, you know, when their hair color changes that, that, that means it's a, it's a sign of aging, which is also another example of prowl being fascinated by organic nature. Yeah. He, you're right. Cause he doesn't say that line with sort of disdain, like you might expect. Right. Um, it's sort of, uh, interesting. I think he's sort of, it's, it's one of those great tropes of like beings that are mortal, immortal or near immortal, uh, sort of, um, being jealous of beings with shorter lives. I, I would have liked a, uh, you know, like the, the, in the reveal when, you know, nanosec's, uh, uh, cowl is taken off and you see that his, um, um, hair is changed. Um, I could have used a, a fascinating from prowl. You know, where he sees it, you'd be like, yeah. oh, fascinating. We, right. we don't get enough of those and, anymore, it seems. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll come back. But, <laughs> wink, wink. Um, but uh, uh, another thing with, with regards to um, nanosec I wanted to talk about, you know, th- this was related to the aging, but I, I was a little unclear on what is actually causing the aging. Is it the suit? Is it the mm. use of the suit? Or is it the dystronium? Is it both? Like, you know, the co- yeah. combination of exposure to, I don't know, radiation or something like that as and the super speed as a catalyst? Because we, we already discussed the volatile nature of dystronium. It's like, well, right. you have to move it fast, but not too fast. Um, th- there's already like a, a, a otherworldly bizarreness to it. That that has to do with some sort of like DNA and genetics of the transformers. So maybe it has some sort of weird effect on, you know, humans. I, I did. I miss it. Does does is the rapid aging explained? Uh, I don't think it is. I mean, I think it's it's more meant to be a product of the speed, but but you make a good point because we've seen the suit being tested and there wasn't aging effects happening there, unless the implication is that it just didn't get tested long enough for it to be clear that the test subject was aging. But yeah, I mean, nanosec is the first 
person to wear the suit that is like going through this, you know, sped up life cycle. Right, right. And not for nothing, we don't actually see the the pilot of the suit that that that's getting stuck on the track. You know, the whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, we don't right. actually see that guy. In fact, for all we know, that guy is still there. I don't think we actually see him stop. He he might he might still be in right. that because I I don't I don't know if it's the same suit. You know what I mean? Like 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 yeah. this version of it again has has the 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 super villain emblem on it. And oh, you're right. And because like I don't. I, I would have to go back and take another look at it. I don't know if the color of the streaks are, you know, like his speed lines, the speed effect is the same color, like the bright, uh, like black and orange. Oh, I don't think it is. And now you make me think that there's sort of an implication that Megatron corrected the bugs that were wrong with the test suit, uh-huh. but in doing so has created, you know, this situation where it ages the, the pilot. Yeah. Uh, expeded rates. Yeah. But he doesn't care, right? He just needs his stuff brought across the city. And what, is he looking out for a human at this point? No. no that's one thing we know about Megatron. Yeah. Yeah. Can- canonically hate squishies. Um, yeah. ex- except for- That was just a bonus for him, right? He probably just threw the anti-aging in for a bit of fun. Oh my gosh. Yes. The the flair for the the theatrics. It's like, well, yeah. you, you like to go fast, huh? How would you like to go fast for life? That- Right. <laughs> I, I, our secret third option uh you know nanosex so fast he can just do more things during the day and we don't see him going to all these parties <laughs> and doing all this coke and heroin right. and just living this really hard lifestyle oh in between gosh. bank robberies maybe that's the answer oh my gosh and, and the you know once the aging really starts kicking in you know that 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 Derek J. Wyatt uh, design aesthetic where it's like he he designed some some grotesque looking people like I, I'm thinking about like, you know, the 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 uggos uh, from Total Meltdown, you know, like pre the 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 treatment and stuff. And yeah, poor old Nanosec is not not looking so good. Right. And oh, and I just feel so sorry for this guy. Now he can't help his grandmother who's sick and all these other stories that I've invented yes, for those him. Those lobsters are gonna go bad. Yeah. They're, they're just in a burlap sack. You can't he was giving them back to the ocean as a member of Greenpeace. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. I, I love all this. Um but with in and regards to the uh the bumblebee thing. Uh, falling to earth you uh um you hit on a on a couple things but there but there were but there was a few things i wanted to go back to one yes you get the the outcome of him being totally gray but prior to that you get him like like bright red and i um i couldn't help because i uh you know we're going to talk about it in a little bit when we wrap up the episode where we're kind of get into a little bit toy talk but but i i i'm looking at this and i'm like oh well that's that's just two toys you could sell right there like i kind of want a 
a bright red clear plastic uh, atmosphere reentry bumblebee. I I, I, yeah. I think that would be super rad. I don't know if that's a thing that exists. I, I sorely doubt well, it. How great of a three pack would that be? Right, yes. the regular bumblebee reheated reentry bumblebee, and then going gray battle mask bumblebee. Hell yeah, I I I would like that. You know, put 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 that in generations. I mean, you know, we we've all, yeah. we've already got animated prowl. Um, so yeah, let's uh yeah let let's get let's get that three pack up in here john hasbro you lazy speaking <laughs> of the battle mask i i don't i don't know if this is a uh a, a spoiler for my upcoming uh g1 rating but did you notice that the battle mask really invokes the the original g1 toy like in terms of like the way the 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 it's got like a visor it's got a oh. a, a split faceplate it looks very similar to the toy uh the the original minibot toy i mean yeah oh my gosh now i can definitely see yeah. it yeah for sure that's smart I, I i love it and and you know what it's it it is occasionally fashionable to kind of cut on the the live action movies but one thing that i i really like that tfa picks up and and pushes even further that it picked up from the live action movies is the the perspective of battle masks i i i really like that like yeah. i I, you know, maybe this is an unpopular opinion, but like I've, we've had uh, open mouthed Optimus Prime for so long that it doesn't bother me anymore. I, I remember it really kind of grinding my gears back in the day, but it, but it was, it, it was a thing that I, I eventually warmed to because I, I grew to appreciate when the, when the faceplate would snap in. You know, it, it's it's such yeah. a it's such a it's such a, a really cool expression of um, attitude. It, it's like in a, a Star Trek Voyager when like like the the nacelles uh, flip up right before they they go to warp that kind of thing. Like I I right. I like that kind of stuff where like you know where where like a character does something you know almost like a suit up type of thing, but something in their kit changes where it's like all right, let's go. Yeah, I think for me it added so much credence to like there just weren't some mouthless transformers or something. Yeah, it almost seemed like uh like a punishment or it, there's something sort of scary about it. And I think especially in a leader like Optimus, having to sort of be like the man in the mask. Yeah, it was nice to see that like oh that's like a you know that's just like a a, a thing they have built in for their battle. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just a little uh, wrap up. I mean, we have we see that Nanosec is arrested. Sumdak, I love the scene where Sumdak is pondering how he got the suit, and Megatron says, I suspect it was an inside job. Yes. Uh, it's a nice little moment there. And uh, now that we see Megatron's plan foiled again, Bumblebee. Yep. And then, and then an interesting little still gray Bumblebee prefers to walk home because he's finally got his comeuppance a little bit, take the chip off his gray shoulder. Yeah. And, and it's one you get, you get another. Now let's transform and roll on home. But but there's an emphasis that the Autobots are going to drive. And again, like like our friend Ryan Jett from Autopod Decepticast says, just be cars. So it's it's specifically potent when Bumblebee says and and not being an asshole about it. He's like, you know what? If it's all the same to you, I think we'll walk. And he's he's carrying sorry with him, right? Yeah. So I, I, I dig that. 
and I I love that the 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 gray paint the the gray coloring uh stays with him like i don't know if the implication is that like you know his yellow paint has just been like you know heat blasted off um and and it's just like you know primer underneath it's like a gray badge of courage or something it's kind of like you know he's stuck with this for a while or it's gonna wear off but either way he he has to deal with the consequences of his actions yeah and and it's a good reminder for him right right and um I, I would have liked somebody to have made a remark about it, you know, some kind of line, you know, about like, oh, hey, you know, how, how about like this new color or, or, or some such like that. But I, I like that post returning to Earth, that that Bumblebee's behavior is a little more subdued in line with the, with the more um, understated color scheme. Yeah, well, and I think there's also, I mean, maybe this is me reaching too far again, but I also think there's a little nod to the to like aging as far as we've seen you know fiery red-headed nanosec yeah. go gray now we're seeing bumblebee grow get go gray and now he's sort of you know hobbling around a little bit there, there's some there's there's definitely a theme of of aging that is being capped off with this scene yeah absolutely and capping off with with nanosec the the thing that we've we've also seen we saw this with meltdown is that not only do we have human supervillains, but like they become tragic figures. Like, like you've said a number of times, you know, you, you feel bad for nanosec and now he he's this decrepit old man. That's now being hauled back to prison again. Um, and, and it is really kind of like a, a tragic note to, to leave this character on. Definitely my hero of the entire show, Nanosec, is unfortunately being brought back to prison. How sad. Yeah, exactly. Um, so so that is uh, the episode. I, I did want to share um, a couple notes here. Um, so I, I had mentioned uh, at, at the very beginning of the episode that I, I had said that the episode felt kind of funny to me. And, and I, I, I didn't really elaborate at that point because like, you know, it's, it's foundational TFA stuff, but something kind of felt off. Um, I, I found this in the trivia section of the, of the TF wiki. It says the script for this episode was the first Transformers animated script to be written and was used by writer Marty Eisenberg, both as a showcase and as a testing ground for the new show's Detroit setting and character dynamics, particularly in terms of its focus on a human rather than a Decepticon villain. Indeed, this episode was originally conceived as the show's pilot until the decision was later made to open instead with the larger scale event uh, air quotes on a on a podcast the event tv movie leading to the development of transform and rollout exclamation point oh wow and i found that especially fascinating because like that's how it, it felt to me but i couldn't put my finger on it until reading this reference crystallized it for me because it it feels like i mean it, it feels it has a very similar feeling that home is where the spark is, you know, cause we, when we talked about that episode, we talked about it feeling like a first episode. In fact, you know, n- not to resurrect number legislation, but you know, it's in some watchings it's season one, episode one. And this episode has a more not o- undercooked, 
but certainly kind of like a prototype feel to it with with again an emphasis on a human supervillain and some of like the the hinkier elements like 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 the whole dystronium thing that they're ideas that feel like it's stuff that you throw into a pilot as like proof of concept. Sure. So now having the, this bit of information and having rewatched the episode, how do you feel about it? Like, do you feel any, any, any differently? Do you feel the same about this episode? Uh, you know, it makes, it makes a ton of sense because yeah, there are things in this that sort of like we've been talking about feel foundational. Mm. Um, it doesn't make me think any less of the show. It definitely makes me more valid in my this is why what i think of when i think of transformers animated um for some reason this character this episode is what sort of jumps to my, like if there was like one still of this show representing the entire show it'd be from this episode or it'd be like nanosecond bumblebee talking first in my mind for some reason um but it would make sense if if this was sort of written as a pilot maybe maybe somewhere deep down i always kind of felt like uh, a first episode to me yeah it, it actually tracks interesting mikey give this thing a g1 score and then i want to get to some uh, listener feedback because i know you've been sitting on one that i want to talk about for a while yeah 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 got a got a couple few things so for new listeners or listeners new and old i guess um uh the the g1 score is basically the uh, amount of G1 references. And I think also in the spirit of our uh, previous guest host, uh, Alpha Magnus, I, I really like the idea of the lights and siren score as well. So I, I'm, I'm going to toss that at us as well. Um, yeah. And it's interesting because like when I watched this episode for the first time, my initial score was very low. Um, I had given it like a 2.3. But in our discussion, I, I kind of overlook stuff like like the battle mask, the the kind of pseudo uh, Transformers, the movie rating uh, uh, imagery. And I, I, th I think for a couple of those, I'm going to bump it up. I'm going to go a 3.1. I think that's way higher than most people would rate this episode. So I, I think that's cool that we talked through it to a point where we got I, I, I would think so because Alpha Magnus brought up some really good points in our last last episode when we were talking the thrill of the hunt. I think the thing where 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 my scoring gets a little skewed is I don't take into consideration how off putting a TFA episode would be for G oneers. I don't necessarily intend to score it that way. I, I score it based on, you know, references and callbacks. So I think there's enough to warrant a, a low score, but not like a, a bottom of the basement through the, through the floor, uh, floor score <laughs> as a, sure, as sure. it were. So if, um, I'm giving it a 3.1, uh, then that would mean the lights and siren scores would be a 6.9 if if my math is uh, correct. Yeah, if that's how that scale I, works, I think yes. so, because I, I think, and, and again, we could continue to litigate this a, a, as we continue, because we're, we're kicking the tires People on. People love this oh, stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they do we we get we get entire <laughs> tweets of folks just, uh, people are crazy for legislation. <laughs> <laughs> can you give us the formula for that scale so we can program it in? Yes, exactly. Solve for X. X going to give it to you. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, lights and sirens. The the um, the the real true TFA score. Yeah, uh, uh, six point nine. 
Very solid. Loved it. Nice. I think uh, strictly going off how many lights and sirens <laughs> we see, my score is 11 out of 10 because this had like just sirens and cops and it was, you know, freeway kinetic <laughs> battle yeah, action. Woo, woo, woo. Uh, I just, I loved it. Yeah. Oh, that, that was a lot of fun for me. <laughs> That's awesome. I, I love it. Um, I love that we're litigating this too. This is this is terrific. Um let's uh let's dip into the mailbag with a little bit of uh listener feedback. Um I'm gonna share some uh feedback from our audience from our uh last couple episodes, and then we'll uh we'll do um a little bit of toy talk and then finally uh round out the the episode with the uh Michael Andrews signature preview haiku a pre-coup if you will but that's uh that's uh that's coming later uh dipping back into the mailbag um back when we were talking about blast from the past the uh the dinobots episode we got a correction from our buddy uh tfg1 mike out on twitter uh part of the the geek cast radio network i was i was on his show recently uh or a show of his uh, toy cast kind of talking about my action figure collecting journey and all that. But he, um, his longest episode of that, I believe he said, which too. does not surprise me. I mean, that, that is <laughs> the Mike Seibert promise. <laughs> it's, yes. um, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Copyright TM TM. I, I had mentioned that, that Greg Berger was the voice of Grimlock and, uh, turns out it's not, it's, uh, it's David Kay yeah. uh, pulling double duty, which, which was a huge revelation to me. I, I, I didn't know that, that David Kay voiced Grimlock. It's, it, it does kind of retroactively explain the, the difference in texture, which, which we talked about during our discussion. Like it was, it was, it was different, but I thought it was an acting choice. Turns out it's because it's a different dude. Yeah, incredible. I know, and I I was so baffled by that uh, bit of information, and we didn't, you know, with how our production schedule works, it, we didn't find out until after the Alpha Magnus recording. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh my gosh, how did we miss that? Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's really interesting, and it really plays a lot of credit to um, David Kay's performance because when you said it was Greg Berger, I just right along for the sure. ride. I was like, yep, that sounds exactly true. Uh, checks the notes. Yes. Perfect. Uh, and moved on. <laughs> and Mike went on to say uh, that he confirmed that from speaking to David Kay himself, actually back in 2011. Uh, so there, there's a old uh, interview on, on uh, geekcastradio.com. Uh, some more, uh, some more hand legislation. Uh, this, uh, this from our friend um, Matthew Barbario. I, I think the fact Sumdac thought it was okay to sit in the hand of a robot he thought was completely dead shows there is a darker side to him than we even realized. Uh, that's the doing of a madman! Exclamation point. Uh, but you gotta hand it to him it worked well as as a seat i thought that was pretty funny oh i think that's spot on and i never thought of that stuff when i was watching this show originally but now i'm seeing it more and more every episode just how sort of uh, bond villain he is and just sort of arch villain uh you know mad scientist like he really is yeah Absolutely. And, you know, I, I should have bundled this in with uh, when when we were talking about our buddy uh, TFG1 Mike. He 
updated his Twitter pro- profile to include the iconic title um, or the iconic phrasing that Michael Andrews came up with, stillness, then Mike. Yes. Oh, I love that. I was so happy when I saw that. That was like, that's when I felt like I made it, right? That was my big Hollywood moment. I was like, yes, yeah. let's see it. And, and and it's cool, you know, having a influence and in, in making friends. Um, it's a uh, it's a uh, it's really cool. Uh, let's uh, let's talk a little bit of toys. And I'm glad that you had the foresight to say, "Hey, man, I know you want to talk about the this cool action figure that you got, but put a pin in it. Let's talk about it later." trust me and and i'm glad that you did but i i recently received a uh very thoughtful gift uh from my buddy anthony brucali uh tfu.info owner operated madman behind tfu.info the the website the toy archive a uh, host of transformers university podcast and overall capital letters good dude he's uh he's been a supporter of mine for for quite some time and the the most thoughtful gifts are the ones that you don't know to expect uh he's getting out of uh gi joe classified series and he was selling off some of his extra figures and um i'm like well i'm very much into classified series i would like to buy some figures from you so i bought a couple figures from him and I get I get the box and I pick it up off the off the doorstep after my mailman is uh, dropped it off and it's rattling gig 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 and I'm like oh that's that's not great and I know what's in there there, there there's a couple GI Joe classified series guys in uh, in boxes and so yeah. you know sealed nothing moving in there nothing moving in there and and had a had a couple of those guys in that box so I was just like what is rolling around in there what is uh what is making all that racket what what has happened what has the mailman done to me today <laughs> and i i open it up and i see a flash of yellow and inside is a transformers animated uh deluxe bumblebee action figure that he so he just cool. threw in there as a, a, a as a gift and this uh this this figure is really neat um and it and it underscores you know i i don't i don't want to slip into a tangent about oh man pri- toys are you know so expensive now you pay more to get less but it is interesting to see the size and density of this figure at, at a deluxe class scale where he's yeah. He's pretty big. He's pretty thick. Uh, he's got some really cool uh, light piping in his eyes, and he's got some really neat uh, translucent effects. He's got uh, some flip out bumblebee stingers that, if you uh, push them together, you know. Oh, they do the d- thing. They d- connect. D- does the thing. It connects. It's uh, yeah. it's really cool, and it and it's all uh, translucent blue clear plastic with like a little uh, flash of uh, silver paint on there. Really cool, really fun figure, and it it gives me a tangible example of the stuff that you've been talking about this whole time, Michael Andrews. That like the these figures are a feat of engineering of a feat of engineering because he presents very well in robot mode and he has even like the the uh cartoonish uh derek j wyatt proportions like you know he's got like big shoulders and giant feet 
and yeah. and as well as kind of like the the I I don't know how to explain it, but like these character models, like in their thighs, it's like you know the, there's a lot of like right angles and stuff, you know, like in terms of like you know how how these characters like arms and legs and limbs kind of go, but it, it's 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 a very cool accurate representation of what he looks like on the screen um i've converted him into vehicle mode once and um that was enough for me because <laughs> like it, it was it wasn't without complication it's not hard but yeah i i actually had it's definitely different than what you're used to this is a very different style of of toy from all the other toy lines up exactly there. but like th- there's I, I can understand how these TFA figures accomplish some of the gimmicks because there there's there's a lot of there's a lot of ball joints and then there's like like on the back of his legs there's a almost like a like a springy hinge to where you know you can you can flip around oh, his yeah. uh, um, car parts and he does he does have some some faux parts I know that's a turnoff to some toy collectors like he's got a little bit of uh, a fake chest going on here like you know he's got like a, a fake windshield uh whereas his real windshield is on on the back of his legs that that flips around but it's it's got the it's got the siren on top nice yeah. little uh, uh detail there but the reason why i'm so happy that we're we're talking about it in this episode as opposed to the last one because it, it just wouldn't have uh been in context one of the things that was rolling around in that box that the aunt had sent me was these little guys they're what i thought so it that they're cast in clear blue plastic with a a lot of grayish silver paint on there i thought these were missiles and and there's there's pegs to put on bumblebee's back on his doors that would attach to what would be the um uh the back of the vehicle mode like he's got a little bit of door wings going on here um i thought these were missiles or something like that but now after watching these episodes they're his rocket boosters yeah they're the two turbo boosters boosters. i I keep calling them the wrong thing but yeah and and so the his door wings tab together and there's peg holes for you to put the turbo boosters in his back to give him the rocket pack that we see in this episode so yeah and then it also if i'm not mistaken it works in the car mode too yes. it's right where they need it, to be yeah, they're, uh, they're in the right in the vehicle because like in the, which is just so in smart. the back here you you can see uh what what would be the um uh the tail lights once once you get him transformed um oh, that's great. so yeah i mean so not only is the this a terrific figure and i i learned once once i started posting pictures that this is actually a very sought after figure i had i had no idea so my buddy knew what he was doing when when he gifted me this this uh this figure he's not just like oh yeah here's here here's something from my junk drawer or something like that he had very specific intent so i'm very grateful uh for this gift and of course everybody is like well that's that's the first domino yeah definitely i i may or may not pull the pull the trigger on a another figure i've been looking at i found it on on a, a sales thread on twitter somebody is just selling like a, a cybertronian ratchet and i'm like oh i might have to pull the trigger on that and it's uh yeah. it's a neat well neat looking figure it's probably gone already Mike, but it'll certainly be gone Mike, by the time you- this publishes yeah 
If you, do, I was going to say, if you do pull the trigger on that, you will own two Transformers animated toys that I do not. Uh, because even though I have a very extensive Transformers animated, it's probably my thickest shelf on uh, my shelf. Sure. Me. I do not have a uh, proper Bumblebee and I do not have Cybertronian Ratchet. Wow. So those are two biggies. But yeah, I, I, I can't. I can't stop fiddling with him. This, you know, the, the posability on this Bumblebee figure is so cool because of like the, 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 uh, um, ball joints that he's got. Yeah. They're, they're quite sturdy little toys. And I can tell, uh, specifically as you're holding that yeah. up in the light, you can just tell, right? Like it, it's, it's thick in the right spots that you want it to be thick in. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you don't see a lot of hollowness. Uh, yeah, I can tell it's, it's a very nice toy. Yeah. It's, it, it's great. I mean, give it to me <laughs> well I, I mean especially like in the in the feet here too i mean like so yeah so no no hollowness that that is that is just thick dense plastic that only has a spot for his foot to flip back up into into his leg uh for transformation but yeah what a cool toy and yeah certainly the the uh, and a great gift yeah. awesome yeah, Ant's a good dude. Go go check out uh, Transformers University podcast. He he um, goes year by year of the Transformers franchise, and after like a um, hundred plus episode, he's to nineteen eighty seven. So you know, very thorough covers um, comic books, TV shows, all, all kinds of stuff. He he's kind of stuck on Headmasters now and can't quite get out of it because. Apparently that show isn't very good. I've I've never really seen it, and it's it, it's becoming a bit of a slog for him, unfortunately. There, um, so yeah, so that that's a little bit of uh, uh, toy talk, um, and where are we at next? So yeah, we already did listener feedback. We already did toy talk. So you know you know what time it is. You know what time it is. Yes. Check your watch. What time is it? Yeah pour your espresso drinks and snap your fingers quietly for it's Michael Andrews preview high Q corner. Uh, yeah, got a good one for today. Uh, here we go. Fall is in the air. Autobots out on the town. The past gets scary. I love it. Clap, 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 clap. Yeah. Clap, yeah. Clap, clap, clap. <laughs> good stuff. I, I like that. You know, we, we did it. Another episode in the books you know stick around for the end credits to find out where you can find us out on on the social medias and how to how to keep up with us and um uh, until next time actually you know what i i actually have a thing i want to do i i've i've been doing this on a on uh on my show my other show mike cybert radios i've been talking about you know kind of like a little more awareness of you know taking care of your mental health and stuff i i have this new thing i have this new thing i say Take care of each other. Take care of yourselves, and make good choices. And eat good pizza. And yes, and and just just to have me ruin it. Eat some pizza. <laughs> it's good. Eat stuff. some pizza. Well, well, that was a fun one. We we did it. We did it. Want to be a guest on the show? Send us an email to mikes too furious at gmail Interact with us on social media. You can follow Two Mikes Too Furious on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Two Mikes too furious and raise your voice leave us a voicemail message at 260-274-MIKE again that's 260-274-6453 
where was I going with that? I, I was going to say something about, was I going to say something else about Brian Posehn? I got, I got a, my robot brain needs beer. Posehn in the membrane. <laughs> That's Posehn. Just got no brain. <laughs> Very natural buffer mm-hmm. right there. Uh-huh. That, uh huh. That that might end up being the uh, uh the 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 pre-show stinger that that I put in because I I I, I really like that. I really like that. 